Buongiorno! This is SMQB's episode <laughs> 31. And this is Bison. I am back from my travels abroad, and I'm going to give you my number first this week. My number is one, and that is the number of wins that the Washington Commanders have after week one. One and oh, baby. Pope, what's your number? One. It and that's is? the number of wins that the Dallas Cowboys have this week. Ironically, wow, sounds like that. yours. House, what do you got? Well, I'm in the NFC East, and I, too, am going to go with one. The number of wins that the Philadelphia Eagles have in the NFC East and the NFL. Nice. Okay, so three of us. All right, that's funny that all three of us have the same. Rooster, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go. Which one? Cricket wireless. He got so pissed at us that he just <laughs> threw out, took his marbles, and went home. His anger, his anger, is ru- his a- anger is ruining his signal. Uh-oh. Uh, he, he's sort of back. I'm back. Oh, there he is. All right. So, what's your number? We just to recap in case you didn't hear it. We all had one for the number of wins, the one and oh in the NFC. And if Milk was here, I think his would be one too. His probably yeah. he told me his was gonna be one. Yeah, yeah. They, all, they, all, they all thought it would be cute to get together and plan this out, but I'm no. not going I'm not, not going down all. that path. My number is eight, which is the number of glorious games the Yankees had Yasan Dominguez before he hurt his <laughs> UCL and now requires Tommy John surgery. <laughs> can, we, can we start at the top by recapping one of our more popular subjects lately of uh, superstition and uh, playback episode 130, where Rooster both uh, said the future for the Yankees is now because of Dominguez and the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl? I- I'm just saying, if you don't <laughs> believe in superstition, this might be the time. I mean, Rooster, you might as well have built a fucking snowman, <laughs> for Christ's sake. I know, I know. I'm gonna have to I start. Think- I'm gonna have to start getting some Giants PJs like House has for the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> make make sure you get the ones with the footies. All uh-huh. right, so we, we're into Week One of the NFL. Thank God. Um, very uh, very fun to be back with the NFL. Um, what do we got going on? I mean, it's overreaction Monday, right? Isn't isn't that uh, what today's all about across the NFL every every year? Especially week one. Yeah, yeah. You got you guys have a Browns Bucks Super Bowl, don't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Clearly. 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 Well, wait. So I want to start with with an overreaction here because I don't know if it is that much of an act overreaction, but I mean, Rooster. We got to talk about what happened last night. And how are you feeling about Brian Dayball? I mean, he did not have that team ready to play. How how does that happen? You know, I I was talking to a friend of mine at this wedding, um, Tim McDonough, who's also a 50-plus year Giant fan. And he reminded me of something that you said a long time ago, Bison, which is the way you build a team is from the inside out. And the Giants used to know that. 
the Giants used to draft linemen and have solid lines before they went after quarterbacks and wide receivers. And we've kind of lost our way on that. And man, did it come home to roost last night. The The line was horrendous. I mean, horrendous. We have a, a rookie center who's going to be good one day. I firmly believe that, but he's got two terrible guards on either side of him. And so he's overmatched. The guards are like Swiss cheese and man, I'm starting to fear that Evan Neal is going to be a bust. So I don't know. I mean, we, I don't think they're as bad as they looked last night, but they were bad in every aspect of the game last night, every aspect of the game, special teams, offense, defense. My my criticism of Dable is that after the line was faltering the first half, I I mean, you just invested $160 million in your quarterback. You could give him some protection with a tight end or something in the second half. The the interesting, one of the interesting problems of the Giants is their best player is a tight end who can't block. He's a receiver. If Darren Waller's a wide receiver. Yeah, he should be a slot receiver. You know, he needed, Danny Jones needed help. I'm not sure it would have done anything against Michael Parsons, but he needed help last last Yeah, night. they should have put Bellinger in the game as like an H-back or something and let Waller play slot. Yes. Oh, you got to be agree. I can't fight back on this. I totally agree. Do you really have, though? I mean, that was kind of a fluke game that was rain. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Cowboys, you know, played really well, but are, uh, it's a little overreaction to say the Giants are in trouble, don't you think? Well, here's what I really think is preseason is now such a non factor that the first couple of games are like preseason for the offense. The defenses are way ahead of the offenses right now. And it showed with the Cowboys, the Niners, the Browns. I mean, it really showed, but there are some very good quarterbacks out there who didn't look like they were ready for prime time yet. Like one uh, Joe Burrow, who's worth a quarter of a billion dollars now. Look, yeah. at, look, 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 I thought Herbert played well, but the offensive scheming and play calling was terrible. They once again give up a huge lead and blow a game late in the game. So maybe this is an overreaction, but all kidding aside with our number to start off, here was the real number that I was going to give, which is 70, 792.5. It, there is 792.5 million dollars invested in three quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Herbert, and Hertz, who combined through for 480 yards. Combined. Wow. That's wow. a great stat. How many did so, Tua have? 486. Uh, 466. 466. Yeah. But those three quarterbacks have like the GDP of the island of Samoa. I mean, like yeah. they have got, between the three of them, you know, Rooster um, made a really good point about the preseason, and maybe this is a week one overreaction, but Nick Sirianni was asked specifically about the performance of Jalen Hurts, and Sirianni's answer was, maybe I need to give my first team players some more reps in the preseason because this was their first this was their first action of the whole year, and it showed. Does anyone seriously think that Jalen Hurts – is going to have a bad overall year, or even Burroughs. No, but they're they're way behind the defenses right now because of the lack of preseason live play. Well, so, so by the way, you could year, throw you could throw Russell Wilson into that into that stat too, House. 
Yeah. Yep. Well, he's he's being paid a lot to become the second string quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah. Remember last year, Burrow had a horrible week one, and look where he ended up. Same thing for the Bengals; they looked awful week one. Yep. There's a couple of teams that are that have become predictable. The Cardinals are always start out stronger than they should be, and people start to think they're good. And the and the Bengals start out slowly and then become great. The only thing I would worry about Hurts for is is and somebody mentioned this to me today. Hurts didn't just lose his coordinator; he lost his quarterback coach too, right? His quarterback coach moved up to the coordinator, the offensive coordinator. Okay. So, yeah, Brian Johnson moved up from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. But Brian okay. Johnson was outmatched yesterday, uh, and he needs to learn, and he needs to learn quick because they're playing Thursday, and that's not an overreaction. Yeah, yeah that's true. My, I think one of the overreactions to week one is that people have already dug the grave for the Steelers, and I, I'm just I still am not buying it. I think the 49ers – are maybe maybe the best team we'll see. Their defense is unstoppable. Purdy looks like he could be for real. Ayuk is a legit. I told uh, you guys Ayuk was going to have a year. Yes, I, you're right. Ayuk was good. CMC is CMC, and Debo's still a major weapon, and they've got Kittle. So, like, they are really on all cylinders. So to say that the Steelers – because they got trashed at home. They got trashed at home to maybe a team that could be in the Super Bowl. I think the Steelers will be okay. Yeah, I agree with that. They were way overhyped coming out of preseason, but they'll they, they'll get their way to a 500 or better record like they always do. Overreaction? We worried about the Chiefs, or are we buying stock in the Lions? I would say neither. I am I think realistically the Chiefs strategy of not really caring if they ever replace Tyreek Hill with another superstar wide receiver may be catching up to them because their their B minus guys who were behind Tyreek are now not with the team. You know, they had that whatever his name with with the triple name, Valdez Scandling oh, or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then they had Mercole Hardiman and they had some others and Juju. And those guys are all gone. And so now who do they have? They have a bunch of guys who drop the ball a lot and an aging superstar tight end who had to miss the first game. So I still think Kelsey's going to be outstanding again this year, but they better start looking down the road soon because Mahomes is young. Well, it shows you how bad they are without Kelsey. Exactly. Yeah, but the Lions offense didn't exactly light it on fire in that game. No, not at all. I mean, what, do they have one offensive touchdown or do they have two? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Goff I mean, hasn't thrown an interception in forever, but he's also, you know, just managing managing drives with short plays. Pope, you're being awfully quiet over there. You've got to be uh, – uh, the mood in Dallas has to be one of euphoria. No. I mean, we're happy. Look, I've told you guys as many times as I can tell you, and I'll tell you again. Regular season doesn't fucking matter. We could go 17 and 0 and lose in the playoffs and not make the NFC Championship game, and this season will be a disaster. So, yeah, we're guardedly optimistic. I mean, you know, uh, obviously the defense looks like it's a juggernaut again, and maybe even better now with Gilmore. Uh, Parsons is, you know, playing to a, another level. Um, 
we didn't really get to see much of Dak or the offense last night. They didn't really need to do anything. But Pollard looked healthy, and that's going to be key. Um, but, yeah, you know, McCarthy called the plays, and he was all excited about that. I, I, I don't know. You know, talk to me after – after they play the Niners in Week Five, talk to me again, and I'll tell you whether there's any excitement here in D. It's kind of it's got to kind of suck though to know that your defense just had their best game of the season and they're not going to have anything like that again, right? <laughs> I mean, how, how? I'm not saying they can't, but seven sacks and and four turnovers, five forced fumbles. I mean, it was like a jailbreak every time Daniel Jones yeah. dropped back. Yeah. So you would think that teams would figure out. Uh, you know, it's interesting because in the pregame, uh, Chris Sims and some others were talking about how, how you beat the Cowboys is you you get Parsons uh, kind of like not not in, kind of in no man's land. You don't know exactly. Sometimes he's going to rush. Sometimes he's going to drop back. And so you just kind of do an audible and then you play away from him. And, and I think the Giants went away from that. But other teams will figure it out. That's for the you know one of the one of the categories we had to discuss today was whose stock is soaring. I would say Mike McCarthy as a play caller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as Lee Corso says, not so fast. Two weeks ago, people were saying he's on he's on the hot seat, and now he looks like now that he's taken over the play calling again, he looks like he's actually a decent coach. I'd still rather have Dan Quinn than Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Alice, yeah, I, I was a little worried about your coach's decision making yesterday on the fourth and two. Um why why not why are they going for that and and not punting the ball there? Um when coaches in the NFL get in this little little mood where they think that they're smarter than the rest of the universe, it never works out right. And that is not normally the type that Sirianni is. He did that. And, you know, there were 3 million people in the Philadelphia metropolitan area who were, who were like, what the hell is he doing? If, if, if your defense is solid enough to stop them, if you don't get it, then punt it. And your defense will be even more solid to stop them from getting 85 yards with more time taken off the clock. There was no logic to that, period. Yeah. And it was a, and it was a poorly executed play. It was a, it was a Brandon Staley call. It was terrible. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was surprising. House, are you are you worried about the Eagles at all, or do you think the Pats are better than we're giving them credit for? Well, I have to give some credence to the guys that were on the field who were saying that Bill Belichick was throwing defensive packages at them and mixing it up that made it very, very difficult. And I, I believe them. That said, I I think they're going to have to really adjust to two new coordinators, which some folks on here said that that was a concern about the Eagles. And I think that uh, they had some big injuries. They're going against the Vikings on Thursday, and they just lost James Bradbury to the concussion protocol. So you now, you now have to defend Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, and Slay can only cover one of them. Um, and Nicobe Dean is in a walking boot, and Fletcher Cox might be hurt. So you got three defensive players who are starters who are all injured against a team, the Vikings, who are going to come in angry because they're they were embarrassed at home. I think Thursday is going to be really tough. I think the Patriots' defense is on on par with the 
Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners defenses. And like we said, the you know, the offense just isn't ready in game one. Uh, but it was a, per- a perfect storm, really, for the Patriots to do reasonably well. And, you know, by the way, I was just up there in New England and the Boston Globe. They're so defeatist right now. I mean, they're, like, happy that they just barely lost. They think that's a win. You Can Let you imagine you guys, that? I, the, Patri- the Patriots? I do think you left a, a, a defense out of that conversation, though, Rooster. Oh, uh, no, I here didn't. we go. Let's turn to D.C. And the defensive well, line that beat the juggernaut Cardinals. <laughs> well, the, the only thing how I will... How did you beat Josh Dobbs? Tell us, how did you beat Josh Dobbs? <laughs> the only Who's thing Josh I will Dobbs? say about the... Uh, I don't even know who Josh Dobbs is. Uh, the, the one thing about Arizona is, uh, allegedly, that is the strength of their team is their offensive line. Uh, that that they've got a pretty pretty solid line that's been together for a while and it is actually pretty good. Um, so it was, you know, the 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 commanders front four are all first round draft picks, um, and they did what they were supposed to. They they took over, you know, they took over on defense. I mean, they they dominated the game. They they didn't give up an offensive touchdown uh, on the day. They gave up three field goals. Um, and when they needed to shut them down, they shut them down. But the, the game in Washington, as, as I think a lot of people know, was really secondary almost to just the entire atmosphere. The I, I just I've said it before. You guys have heard me for however 130 episodes before this talking about how awful Dan Snyder is, and I have to say that Robert Griffin the third who's got very mixed um, legacy in Washington. You know, he really nailed it in an interview that he gave uh, to the Washington Post, where he said that he went from Washington to Cleveland and then to Baltimore. And he said his eyes were opened up when he got to Baltimore about what a good franchise really is and how the franchise has um, an identity and a pride in the way they play the game. And he had never seen that in the years that he was with Washington and Cleveland. And so he he pointed out and he said what I've said many times, that start from the top. And so the the feeling, I, I, it, was, it was a very strange game in Washington. I mean, it was like people, it, it felt like an open house where people were coming back in and looking around and like, oh yeah, this place is, I like this place. It's got some good bones. I can see myself being here for a while. I mean, really, there are stories of fans who came back who gave up tickets a decade ago and swore the team off until Snyder was gone. And it was a true sellout. It was all Commander fans. Now, Cardinals aren't exactly the Eagles driving down 95 to, to fill a, to fill a stadium up. So, you know, we'll still see how what happens when when some of the, the Giants and the and the Eagles come to town, but it was just, it was like a cleansing. I mean, it really was a cleansing. It was a weird game because then it got, they started out okay. And then they played terrible. And then it was pouring rain at one point and everybody kind of ran inside because it was really, I mean, it was a monsoon at one point. And then, and then the defense took over and, and they won the game and it just, it's like euphoria. I mean, it really is just like, this is, we have hope. There's hope again. In Washington, I so 
That's, that's good. awesome. That's good for it's yeah. good for football. Good for good for Bison, football. Did, the, the 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 upper level which they used to cover in tarp. Did they lift it and was it full? No, they they didn't lift it. They they've they've given back thirty thousand seats out of this okay. stadium from when it was built. Uh, you know there collapse. was yeah there, there were sixty nine thousand <laughs> people there though, um, and it was it was loud. Um, I actually spoke with my mom who watched it on TV. And she said she actually had chills at one point because on TV it was so loud during some of the third down plays. And she just hadn't heard it like that in, you know, in, in probably the last time it was full and loud like that. What were the RG3 was the RG3 season where he was uh, offensive rookie yeah. of the year? He's, by the way, he's actually a pretty good um, TV personality. He's very good yeah, on he's TV. Really I like good. him. I like him. You he, know, you mentioned- he walked out there when they sent him out there, by the way, he took his two kids out with him like human shield. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he walked out for his in between the the one of the timeouts, and he took his kids with him. I was like, "Well, that was smart. That was that was planned." You know, when he mentioned the the stability of the Ravens, if you think about it, I th- I think as long as far back as I can remember, they've had two coaches and two general managers in the whole history of the team that I can remember, uh, starting yeah. with Ozzie New- Newsom. And, and, and Bill uh, uh, or Brian Billick. Billick. Right? Yeah. And, and then when those guys retired, they moved on to two guys who have been there for a long time also. Yeah. And, and you, you right. juxtap- juxtapose that with the with Washington. I mean, I can't even count the number of coaches you've had in the last 20 years. Yeah. No idea. Let me ask you guys one last real quick overreact. Um, is it an overreaction for either one of these that? The Rams are back, yeah. and the Rams yeah. are back, and the Seahawks suck. I was yes, that's the yes. one thing I was going to bring back. Yeah. Okay, what were you going to say? I was Who's- I was going to say the same thing. I mean, who would have ever guessed that the Seahawks would lose the Rams, and then lose thirteen to thirty at home? That's, at home, I mean, that's nuts. How did that happen? I, I, I mean, I I guess, uh, you know, Matt Staff and. You know, they Puka found a little Chuka. magic. Or whatever and, his name is. And Puka. My name is Puka. And um and uh Cam Akers. I mean, I don't know. That one I don't get. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think mean, was no- Seattle is Seattle really that good? I mean, were were they ever really gonna be that good this year? They've, they've got they had they have a quarterback last year who threw for a lot of yards. They have two good running backs, they have three exceptional wide receivers. I mean, I thought yeah. they were gonna be good. They've drafted really well. I thought they were a playoff team this year. Well, they still could be. You, st- you also yeah. have the fact that McVay owns Pete Carroll as well. So mm. you know, there's just right. some weird matchups right. sometimes. Right, right, right. right. But, you know, Cowboys-Giants, what, 12 out of 13 now? Yep. I mean, who who can yeah. figure? Yeah. I, I well, find I that think- game to be more surprising than the Bengals scoring three points. Well, I, I think the, you know, Rooster, you started to say that I think before that, um, you know, until you get to week three or four, these are, these are almost preseason games. It's just, you know, they, they actually mean something. So at the end of the season, you can't erase what happens with them, but it's, it's really like week three, week four. Let's see what these teams are doing. That's which when you really, which know really what makes are. what, what it makes what Tua did very impressive. Yeah, well, that was going to be one of my takeaways from from week one. Yep. Wow, the Dolphins are fast. Yeah, 
they're going to score some points this year if, if Tua can stay upright. That's I it, big I, if. I, I'm a, I also took away from this that the all the predictions that Jordan Love would be good enough are true. Yeah, yeah, I think he's good enough for the Packers to be good. I my my takeaway is that um, all of these predictions, I, I it, maybe it's also an overreact, but all of these predictions that lay everything on Justin Fields for MVP this year, I, I'm still not sure that the guy is an NFL quarterback. The, the The Packers are not the measure of a team that, oh my gosh, well, he was playing the Packers' vaunted defense. I think Justin Fields still looks confused in football games. He's a talented athlete, but I, I just don't think he's the what? one. What is the obsession with him? I don't get it. I don't either. I think it's because at the end of last year, he was a fan of this fancy football phenom. He and racks so up all the he racks up lots of points. Participants love him. What he racks up lots of points when they're out of 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 uh, contending in a game. Yeah, I, that's right, Pope. I, I heard someone. It may have been Bill Simmons. It was Bill today, Simmons. Yeah, you ought to look at his stats. Yeah, while the game is still close. And throw out all the rest, and then you really get to the full picture of Justin. He's, he's king of trash time points, I think, is what he said. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But he's also a hell of a runner. Well, we, we can't right. we can't leave the NFL before we talk about Milk's Bucks, right? Uh, do we time to, to bake. He's probably going to listen to this. So, we, we, do we have to say something nice? It's time to bake. Well, look, I mean, I, did any of us think they were going to win up at Minnesota? No, no you obviously no. didn't. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't. And by the way, neither did Milk. Right. I'm just happy for Milk that the, that his curse is lifted. Now he can continue to travel to away games without without it being an automatic loss for the Bucks. I'm just glad I mean, he I, found his suitcase. They looked really, really bad in the first half, and just I somehow Baker he baked in the second half, and and the Vikings just fell apart. Well, the the defense that carried them a couple years ago, uh, the Bucks. You know, everybody was heaping the praise on Brady. Yeah, yeah, but their def their defense was a big part of their success, and that defense returned yesterday's in yesterday's game. That defense, I watched a lot of that game, and their defense looked really, really solid. In That's an impressive half. offense to shut down at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that division is is wide open. So Baker just has to be passable, I guess, right? To have a shot. Well, we'll hard to know, uh, hard to know about to think about the Saints either. Yeah, I mean, the Saints, eh, they squeak past an okay team in the Titans and the you know, the Falcons and the Panthers tried not to tie one another. I mean, you right. know, like Yeah. It's just bad. All right, anything else on any other takeaways, anything else to talk about from week one? If if Deshaun Watson is above average, the Browns are going to be a damn good team. That's another takeaway. It's a good one. It's a good one. Miles My- Garrett is, is, is right there next to Parsons. I mean, he's right up there in the top five defensive players, and they and, – and, you know – Chubb, they're they could they could make it and through that division. We'll see. Yep. I think my takeaway is that Cowboys, Niners, and Eagles are clearly the top three teams right now in the NFL. 
and we'll see how that goes the rest of the year. Okay. All right. We ready All for right. some locks? Let's do some yeah, locks. let's do it. Before I, we get to it, I, I got up really early and, and looked at the line, and there were two that weren't out yet. House, what's what's the line in the Giants-Cardinals game? Uh, I will tell you that. The, the line four and a half. Giants giving four and a half. Giants are giving four and a half at the Cardinals. Um, I have to say I'm a little surprised by the line of the Broncos home minus three and a half versus the Commanders. But let's recap last week because we had surprising success in that three of us actually got a win. Uh, Milk and Rooster with the Falcons minus three and a half uh, got a win. And uh, House with the Eagles minus three and a half on the road got a win. Uh, Pope and his Vikings minus six <laughs> lost. And Bison got the straight up win with the Commanders, but didn't cover the minus seven. So, which I'm I'm sure he's happy about to take that loss. Um, so there we are. So, uh, Pope, are you ready to kick it off this week? I'm gonna go homeboys. Cowboys minus three and a half. I haven't even seen the Jets yet, but I think I think uh, first home game they're going to be uh, firing on all cylinders. So three and a half doesn't worry me. All right. Uh, I want to report from our correspondent, who I think is hiding somewhere in a closet trying to sober up from his trip. Milk is uh, Lions minus six home against the Seahawks. He's he's on the Lions channel. Wow. 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 I didn't want to touch that one. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Bison, you ready with yours? Yeah, I think these are hard this week. Um, partly because we still haven't seen uh, Buffalo and, and the Jets. But I'm I'm going to take the Washington Commanders again. To wow. Cover, getting three and a half. Three and, you're getting three and a half. All right. Okay. Uh, Rooster, are you ready? Yeah, but let me ch- check the lines because uh, they've all changed since this morning. What's the line in the Chiefs-Jags game? The Chiefs are favored in that game. Give minus, three. Minus three on the road. Okay. I'm, I the, This is a must win for the Chiefs, I think. I'm going to take them. Okay. Rooster's got the Chiefs minus three. And I am going to bring up the rear um this is really a very very difficult week but although uh the patriots showed some defense again i don't think they've got the horses to keep up with the dolphins and the dolphins minus two and a half on the road i think the dolphins got it going i'm gonna take the dolphins against the pats minus two and a half all right all good picks should we should we turn to the uh, the end of the Alabama Crimson Tide at this point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you hope it is. This is the end. Is it, Pope? It's not the end, uh, but you know clearly, um, Alabama is not going to be the dominant football program that they were for what ten years or so anymore. And, uh, uh, again, you know, like I said, as much as I love Alabama, I mean, that's not bad for football. Uh, I was at the 
the game on Saturday night. What an amazing college atmosphere that was. I'm sure you guys watched the game, but um, Texas, you know, Sarkeesian uh, finally uh, has the horses that he was looking for. And, and uh, he just, he outcoached Saban. Uh, his players are better at skill positions. Um, Ewers picked apart their secondary. They got no pressure on him. Ewers picked apart their secondary and the uh, Texas defense was able to get pressure on Milrow, who doesn't have the ability to read off the first read and is a, uh, you know, a struggling quarterback at, at best. Uh, and actually, I thought the score would would have been even higher. It could have been if except for a couple of fluke touchdowns for Alabama. So I would say my takeaway from that game is that Texas is the real deal. We'll talk about, you know, does it change the top four? But, you know, Texas in a, in a down Big 12 year, they should run the table. They should be in the championship uh, playoffs this year. Uh, Alabama is going to struggle. Um, they've got a fortunate schedule, though. They have Ole Miss, Tennessee, and LSU, the big ranked teams ahead of them, all at home. Uh, can they get back to the championship game against Georgia, You know, win that game and go to the playoffs? I would say the odds are pretty slim that they do that. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, but if they do, if they do win the SEC championship game, they're going to the playoff. Well, yeah, because they will probably have had to run the table in the SEC, uh, and beat Georgia. So they'll have one loss and be on a what? 12, 11 game win streak beating Georgia who has no competition in the East. Um, so yeah, they would be in the playoffs if they did that, but they can't afford another slip up. Hope, what's your prediction as to whether this kid Milrow finishes the year as your starting quarterback? I would say right now, chances are he does not. Wow. I think, I think, you know, against South Florida, he'll, you know, he'll get the ball again and get another opportunity, but uh, their first big test comes up. Well, post Texas is against Ole Miss. Uh, and Lane Kiffin would dearly love to give uh, Saban another loss with the assistance. Um, and the Milrow, you know, if he if he hasn't turned it around by then, I think you're going to see some experimenting with uh, Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson, um, who are more drop back drop back passing quarterbacks. Uh, and and quite frankly, their new OC from Notre Dame is more comfortable with that type of offense. So I would expect that uh, Milrow, unless he shows something that I'm not seeing, is not going to finish the year. Wow. Uh, can, can, can we stop talking about fucking Alabama? They lost. Right. Can we they just lost. bury he them? Looked, he, he looked like Jeff Sims out there. Can we talk about the most interesting story in college football? In yeah. a long time. And he's Colorado, staring over maybe. a rooster's shoulder right now. Yeah, maybe. Prime time. Coach yeah. Prime. Time. Yep. They <laughs> came out. I, I got to ask this. Not in my crib. I am the anti-college football guy, but how does he do this? How does he go into a program and have 90 new players come in and and go 2-0 to start out? How does that happen? He's taking advantage of the rules. He's got 90 really good players that they never would have gotten the old-fashioned way. That's pretty remarkable. To build a, a, I mean, that's basically building a program from the ground up in your in your in year one. I mean, shit, Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska's been trying to to rebuild for what 
25 years now. I mean, they got to feel pretty bad yeah, watching right. what he's doing. Right. So. Right. And, and the same results too. Um, you know, but you know, he did have a lot of experience with his big three, um, you know, hands people, the quarterback, the wide receiver and the yeah, running back. True. But he's, uh, I mean, he's all, if you listen to the NFL players who played on teams with him, they all said never bet against this guy. He's, he's, he's smart. He's the most competitive person they know, blah, blah, blah. And the kids are apparently buying into it. It's, it's amazing to see. And they won, they won the, that Nebraska game in a completely different fashion than the way they beat TCU. They kind of, kind of grounded out a little bit. It was a low scoring game and they hung in there and won it. Look, I, I, the story is so amazing. I mean, there have been very talented black coaches in college football before. He he's not the first, but he is bringing a a almost like cultural transformation. I mean, look at look at what's behind you. The the guy coaches in a sweatshirt and a studded diamond uh, cross necklace that hangs around, wearing superstar shades. He gives you know these viral. Uh, YouTube Quotes. uh pregame speeches motivational like like he's preaching literally like he's preaching. Uh, you just haven't seen that in college. I don't remember seeing that in college football before. And in today's recruits, there gonna be a lot of kids that want to play for that, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'll give you I'll give you a, a quick inside scoop. Uh, one of the Alabama guys I was with this weekend um, knows a lot of people in the program and says that the, cho- the the chosen successor that Nick has right now is guess who? It can't be Deion Sanders. It is Deion Sanders. And I will tell you, it is an interesting concept, but he and Nick evidently talk every day. Uh, he respects the hell out of, of Nick and Nick really thinks that, that Deion's got a lot of talent as a coach. And and by the way, have you seen the latest Affleck commercials? I was gonna say, yeah, is, yeah, is this just from Affleck? With is, the no, it's just no. Affleck commercials. It's not. It's not. They think that Dion could could really take the program. You know, when Nick decides to to pass the torch. Now, my guess is that Dion won't be available. Uh, whether he stays at Colorado for more than when when Shador leaves, will he stay at Colorado, or will he get another SEC job? Or is he really just shooting for an NFL job? I think he's a better college coach, but I don't know. Yeah, he's a motivator. He he's a motivator of young men who are learning how to become men. He's perfect for this this setting. Let's see if he can keep. He's surrounded by some ridiculous athletes, and if he keeps getting those la- athletes, he's going to have success. Uh it's it's crazy. I mean, they're going college game day is going. To Colorado versus Colorado State. Are you kidding me? That's the Dion phenomenon. Yep. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's it, I, I sat there and watched the game just because of Dion. By the way, if the if the top five now it includes Texas, which I think it should. Oh, for sure. You have one one of one of each of the power five conferences represented in the top five. It's good for foot college football to have a little Diversity, finally. 
and it's going to exist for a minute, and then right, it's all going right, to go right, into, right. into the super conference. Right. So you're saying Georgia, Michigan, Texas, FSU, Florida State, yeah, and then maybe is that how you State. have it? Yeah. Georgia, yeah. Michigan, Texas, and no, I have Mich- I don't have Ohio State in the top five right now. Yeah, that's what no. I meant. Yeah. I have U- USC as USC. Five. Okay, and the, Florida the top- State, Texas, three, four, which in, right. in whichever order. Right, I think USC is probably on five looking out right now. I think I, I would put Texas four. I mean, to go on the road and win at Alabama, first non-conference loss in forty-nine games, first time Saban has lost. Uh, by double digits uh, anywhere uh, as a as a college coach at home. Um, by the way, I I, I, period, seem, I mean you've got to give credit to Texas and and put I, it. I seem to recall a lot of um, SEC fans putting their nose up in the air when Texas and Oklahoma yeah. announced that they were joining the SEC. There was a lot of chuckling. Uh, from the SEC schools, and I guess Texas is, uh, you know, has put their foot on the the throats of all those uh, naysayers, right? They have yeah. now. I, you know, NIL has obviously made a big difference. I mean, Texas is like a professional football program now, but they're playing by the rules, right? Right. I mean, all right, anything else? Great is it that Clemson is not even in the top twenty-five? Oh, isn't that well, crazy? Dabo hadn't done transfer portal. He's just let he's let uh, the his his time is passing. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's the what are what are the big college games we got to look for this week? Anybody uh, any good ones this week coming up? There, there there was a good one besides game day. Um, let's see here. Well. Bison loves Florida State at Boston College for all of you that believe in Boston <laughs> College. Yeah, it's not you're not you don't have any huge matchups in week three, unfortunately. All right. Um, yeah. I mean it's just uh most of the ranked teams are gonna have cupcakes. Uh jockeying, uh, but week four, uh we'll get to that. That's gonna be a good week. I'd like to hear from Milk. I wish you were on to hear if if Florida can cover the spread, getting six and a half, uh, giving six and a half to Tennessee at home, that used to be an interesting game, but maybe it's not so interesting anymore. With how Florida has fallen. Sorry, Milk. Well, somebody somebody uh, um, just said to me that that you know Tennessee's beaten Florida twice in twenty years or something, so it's not really much of a rivalry game. I don't know if that's true or not, but well, make that three told. out of twenty-one. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. All right. Ooh. All right. Anything else on college? Slap Florida. Anything else on college? That seems like a good place to leave it. Tennessee is going to bitch slap Florida. Perfect. Milk. Perfect. Don't call it a comeback. That's that's a good transition right. into punchable face. Yeah, he's got a punch. <laughs> I got a I got a couple punches. Go for it. Go, man. Can we start with fucking DraftKings? <laughs> who today did a 9-11 themed parlay bet betting on all on the Yankees, Mets, and Jets. They actually advertised a 9-11 themed bet. And then they had to apologize, right? I I should hope so. I mean, 
they should have escorted whoever came up with that right out of the building. That's just uh, and and back behind you know the behind the shed and into a wood chipper. I mean, what is wrong? What is wrong with people? What kind of of complete fucking moron thinks that's a good idea? And how does nobody in the building say, "Are you out of your mind"? That's one of the most offensive things I've seen in sports uh, in, in quite some time. Brutal. You know, that's uh, what happens when you when in this country when you hold up being uneducated and snarky as as a virtue, right? So that's one punch I got. Um, let's move on to uh, another one. I have is how about the Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker? Yeah. Who th- this whole story stinks, right? Because let's start with the fact that Michigan State is is home to Larry Nasser, right? right? So, so this is an athletic program that um, needs to be doing better and better and better. I mean, that doesn't even begin to cover it as far as you know what they did to those those uh, women and athletes at Michigan State on when Larry Nasser was there. So Mel Tucker, who apparently has a $80 million contract at a state university. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened, but beyond that, he decided to sexually harass a prominent sexual assault awareness speaker who the team brought in to talk about sexual harassment and assault and, and, and sexual awareness. And this stupid motherfucker decided that he was going to harass her to the point where he's even admitted speaking with her on the phone while masturbating against her consent, by the way. I mean, he admits that it was against her consent because no, initially he, says, he was saying they were having consensual phone sex. That's, that's what he says is consensual. And she had already reported him to the school. But one of the problems is the school had this report. And, and as I understand it, they were conducting an investigation. It wasn't until the, the story broke on ESPN that they finally suspended him. So uh, Michigan State Athletic Department gets a punch. And so does this this guy, Mel Tucker. I, what is wrong with people? I, 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 those two stories right there, there were a lot of punches that can be thrown. I, I don't know if you guys have any, but those two right there are just both stunning. Good ones. That's, those are good ones. I think I think that story is yet to be fully understood. Yeah, that's probably true, but but I, it's I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Whoever put together the USA FIFA team this year should be punched. Oh, we're going to get to that team full of guards and and small forwards. Yeah, we, we might talk about that a little bit in the buzzer beater, so we can punch late in that, but. Um... All right. Any other punches? No. All right. Somebody have a lasso? Barbecue sauce. I have, I have one. Sh- oh, go ahead. You go, you go, House. It's a short one. I, I, I didn't even know it was happening when I went to the Phillies game on Saturday. And I think throughout Major League Baseball, maybe it was this weekend. I don't know if it was just just that night for the Phillies or all throughout the league, the 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 Major League Baseball has a, an evening or day where they do stand-up to cancer. And uh, 
in the the beginning, they had a, a, a child with cancer do like a kind of a a fake home run, run through the bases. And as the as the little girl was running through the bases, she was slapping the hands of every single player on on both teams between the Phillies and the Marlins. Uh, they then had uh, all throughout the game, the public address announcer was another uh, child with 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 cancer. Uh, you know, they did a seventh inning stretch and the player, the seventh inning stretch, both teams from all the, the dugouts, uh, all the players and the coaches came out and held a placard. And I, I just think, uh, we've said this before, but there, a lot of times, particularly when athletes like in baseball are making hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know, you don't get to see them as human beings. Some of these guys like had tears in their eyes as this little girl circling the bases. I mean, they're still real human beings. Yes, they're they're athletes that are paid a lot. But I, for all the mistakes that we always criticize Major League Baseball for, they did get this one right. And I it, I I was pleasantly surprised to be a part of of watching that. And good on you, Major League Baseball. It was a very feel good thing that happens in sports to not just say that the league as a as a whole is staying standing up to ca- cancer they're they're getting their their players and their coaches involved it was it was pretty cool nice good one nice. good one rooster you got one yeah um you know i'm not a big tennis fan but i just feel i feel like i want to thank coco goff for the joy that she provided watching the first teenager since serena did it in 99 march through and win the u.s open it was just a really beautiful thing to watch um hats off to her she she came up against some really tough competition including sabalenka in the finals who you know is older and bigger and um number one ranked player in, in the world after that match and coco goff just showed such tremendous grit and perseverance it, it was really a sight to behold and i think she's coming along at the perfect time as serena fades i hope coco can step in and maintain this level of excellent excellence for the u.s rooster that mm-hmm. that was my lasso as well did everybody see the uh viral video of her when she was eight years old yeah at yeah. the u.s open dancing to call me maybe and you know yeah. having such a great time and then shift 11 years and she's 19 years old and wins her first major. I mean, clearly a star is born and boy, did women's tennis, especially in the U S really needed that shot in the arm. So that's a great feel good story. Yeah, totally. That's, that's for you, cousin, Justin, there was a special request made that somebody talk tennis. Oh, all right. I'm not said it wasn't, wasn't going to be me. So any other lassos? Nope. All right. Let's get to some buzzer beaters. Well, well, you just, got one. Well, I'll pick up the tennis because I'm not quite done yet. I mean, the Joker won 24th major, which now ties him with Margaret Court for all time uh, number of majors, and he's going to break it. He's going to run up a score, guys. Like we talked about, uh, Alcaraz is still, you know, I mean, lost a tough uh, semis to Medvedev, but uh, Joker just crushed him in the finals so um i you know next year joker's gonna win two or three more majors he's he's just relentlessly unstoppable and you, you gotta give him the respect what do you uh, guys think about tennis allowing 
a player who's not even allowed to post the flag of his or her own country under their name to play like med med medyevev and sabalenka and others you know they you you look under under their name and the flag is just a blank a black blank because they're not allowed to say russian federation or belarus should they be playing in these events wait, wait didn't we didn't we already go through this with hockey last year what do you think though well, maybe Medvedev's scared of Putin. That, apparently, that's why we should clap for Ovi. Come on now. Ovi, Ovi Ovi's was at not the scared of game. Ovi's Ovi not was scared at the of Putin. Game. He's buddies with Putin. But that he's forced buddies, according to you guys. I, I don't. No, I don't think that. I. Uh, you guys brought me around on this that these players are individuals, and if they're good in their sport, they should be able to play. Um, as much as I, I don't want Ovi to break the record but i don't know well, how can you keep medvedev out of that because his the country that he was born in is a bunch of raging assholes and i'm not giving you my address vladimir but he could defe- <laughs> he could defect i got one That's more complicated. people have families and and you know i mean look um i don't want to get too too political here but a lot of us weren't super proud of our country for for a short period of time there and and i would want to to you know, fly the flag uh, and play for my country without defecting or something like that. Just you know, I mean, now there's a little bit of a difference, obviously, between murderous dictator regimes starting wars. But um, you know, it's it. Poison. They're individuals. <laughs> they're individuals. So. All right, my other buzzer beater is we haven't talked about it in a while, but Major League Baseball is coming to a screeching conclusion. We're only three weeks away from the. End of the season, and I think we finally uh, have narrowed down what our teams are going to be for for the wild card race uh, in the American League. My Rangers are a half game back. Rays are already clinched. Jays are plus one. Mariners are tied for the last wild card. Uh, Jays, Rangers, uh, Paul Miller, Moose Jaw, big series starting this weekend or this week uh, with you guys tonight. And and the uh, houses fills look like they're probably clear three and a half. Up the Cubbies, two up. Uh, the D backs, uh, Marlins, Giants, and Reds all fighting for the last wild card slot. The next three weeks should be a lot of fun. I'm nervous about Agreed. the Phillies. I'm nervous about the Phillies. But anyway, uh, my buzzer beater is let's just all acknowledge that America is no longer the greatest country in basketball. They're just, they just, are not and for what all that crap that they gave that kid Noah Lyles for saying world champion of what you know he's a little bit validated right now um you know when you say NBA world champions yeah that's true but it, it would be an interesting thing as to whether or not uh a team made up of USA basketball players of course the Denver Nuggets weren't could beat the best team in the world somewhere else I I don't know but this team didn't even medal. I don't think we were as good as Canada, Serbia, or Germany. And we got a long way to go. And the fact that LeBron and KD and Curry are going to have to come off the bench in their mid-30s to late-30s says a lot of what you need to know. I mean, we should be able to field a team of 20-something-year-olds and still be the best in the world. But like I said in our text string, 
The NBA wanted to expand this game to the world. They succeeded in it, and now the USA is the worst for it. But we didn't even try to put together that kind of a team for FIFA. We we always wait till the Olympics for FIBA. Yeah, yeah, there, you're there, right. There, 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 there are FIBA. Sorry, there are lots of good young NBA American NBA players who didn't play the, from the Suns, from the Celtics, um, from Memphis. You know, you name it. Well, I guess if there is a star that came out for the U.S., I mean, it is clear that Anthony Edwards is a superstar. He was carrying that team. Yeah. But but besides Anthony Edwards, there wasn't really a lot to write home about. They, I, their, I, their big men were consisted of Crazy Eyes Portis yeah. and one, one other guy who's a bench player in the NBA. How, what's the rumor that you're hearing for the Olympics, though? What about the Olympics? What's the rumor that you're hearing as far as what, what the U.S. is going to do? Well, well LeBron and, and LeBron and and uh, yeah, and Steph already came out and said they yeah. yeah. LeBron, they may, Steph, and they, they may even call some people out of retirement. They said, "Listen, I think it's I, I was encouraged by that story. I thought it was kind of cool that that guys like LeBron and Steph and it, we're, we're watching this and we're going." This is bullshit. We got to take back our our dominance, right? You know, no Jimmy Butler, right? We could have had, we could win with those guys, no problem. So, do we? Are we having another nineteen eighty four redeem team uh, here now? Could be. It could be. Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, I've got one. I think uh, Pirates pitcher Oviedo is that how you pronounce his name? Watches yeah. our listens to our pod. Because he came out after uh, Ron, Ronald Acuna charged the mound and then just stood there and looked at him and said exactly what I said on the pod two episodes ago. If, if you're going to charge the damn mound and cause everyone on both teams to come rushing out onto the field, don't just stand there. Throw a punch or do something. But for God's sakes, stop, stop with all this drama and then with no intention of doing anything about it. He called him soft. And uh, it should be interesting. He went he went high and tight on him like three straight pitches. <laughs> Funny. All right. Well, I'll give a buzzer beater, and and I just think we have to. Uh, we talked about a little bit with the DraftKings punchable, but it is uh, the anniversary of, of September 11th, and uh, we have to just acknowledge that um, and the people who who lost their lives uh, on 9/11. So we should just you know. Just think about that for a minute. It, it, it it's you know it's in the rearview mirror now. It's getting so far back that I don't want you know we we say never forget. Well, we we should never forget. So uh, and it was there, there were some moments of silence at the NFL games yesterday, um, which was which was good. And and of course we just shouldn't should never forget that that day and all the people, the Americans who were killed. The very classy thing that the NFL does to schedule a game in New York close to that date and have those two teams where the New York Fire Department, the New York Police Department, right, and yeah. give those folks a chance to be on the field and do the national anthem and stuff like that to keep it fresh. That's a that's a that's a good one, Bison. Yeah. All right, you guys got anything else? Go birds. All right. Hey, have a good week, everybody. Come Monday on. Night Football. Talk Go to you. Boys. Welcome back. Guys.
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.